I was living in a devil town. I didn't know it was a devil town. Oh Lord. This is Ralph Amsden with Brett Quintine and Chili, and we are here with the Devil's Junkie Podcast. We'll call this the off-season wrap-up show because before you know it, we're going to be playing some football against NAU on September 3rd. So uh, we're going to jump right into it. We're going to talk about how uh, practice has gone so far, a couple of the, the interesting events that, that have gone on, like Pac-12 Media Day, uh, Camp Team Media Day out at the school. Uh, we'll talk about a little bit about how this team is tempering expectations and relating to um, the the fan base uh, coming off a season where you know they were expecting the world and it didn't work out. So let's jump right into it. Brett, how you doing today? Doing well, doing good. Definitely good to reconnect with you guys. And uh, I'll say media day, which we'll talk about, uh, was was pretty cool. Rubbing elbows with Bobby Hurley and Coach Graham. So been having a lot of fun lately. And Chili, you're in like this last semester of your second bachelor's out at ASU doing student teaching, uh, Van Wilder style. <laughs> wow, that's good. Dang. That's good. So, and I got a bulldog. And yeah. I got a bulldog. Yeah, People yeah. 100. So, uh, I mean, what what else besides? I know you you've been traveling all summer, but now you're 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 back in and grinding away at your last semester. Yes, the summer 16 tour has come to uh, its conclusion. Um, I went everywhere. I was in Peru for a little bit. Um, been everywhere in the U.S. I went to Vegas and San Francisco and Los Angeles and stuff. Um, and now I'm back, and I've been like keeping up and tweeting all my boys and. Um, all my little brothers that are now playing for ASU, the Chase Lucases and um, the Nikhil Harrys and stuff, and um, they're in good spirits, and I know that they uh, they kind of did their thing, you know, um, at camp and stuff, and they're excited about the season coming up, so so am I. And it's it's definitely it's definitely going to be an interesting season. Probably more talent than ASU's put on the field in a really long time. All of it's completely raw. Uh, Arizona State's going to come in as probably the only team in the country without a quarterback who's actually thrown a pass in a game, uh, which gets thrown out a lot. What you have to remember is Manny Wilkins did actually throw a pass last year. Um, Nick Kelly just got flagged for roughing somebody up on that play. So uh, he, he has thrown a pass. It just didn't count for anything. Uh, but anyway, let's jump into it. Let's rewind the clock a little bit, jump back to Pac-12 Media Day. Not a lot of big stories came out of that. Not Nobody really said or did anything controversial. Uh, but if we look at it, you know, UCLA is a team that was picked to finish first in the Pac-12 South. And UCLA's had a little bit of adversity. Um, head coach Jim Mora, unfortunately, is going through a divorce uh, his wife heads up his very successful foundation. It's a foundation that does a lot of good uh, in places like Atlanta, where he used to be head fo- football coach of the Falcons, um, and you know works with youth and 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 connects athletes with kids. Uh, well, that was kind of a big part of the way that they recruit players. Is you know we're a family. Look at my family. Look at my foundation. This is how we give back. You know, Coach Mora going through some personal issues has seemingly affected the way that they recruit. And you see UCLA have about seven kids already decommit from uh, from this upcoming 2017 class. But they're still, you know, even though they had a lot of guys go to the NFL, even though they had a few people leave the team, Cordell Broadus just left the team for the second time. <laughs> Again, oh, yeah. Uh, so, you know, you, you, they've, they've had a little bit of turbulence um, they're still picked to win the Pac-12 South. And something Jim Morris said out at Pac-12 Media Day stuck out to me, and I want to run it by you guys. He said, I'm surprised we were even picked to finish ahead of Colorado. Assuming, you know, I, I thought we would have been last. Um, do you think that's just uh, coach speak trying to lower expectations uh, so that, you know, they, they're not doing what ASU did last year, riding the wave of expectations? Or do you think he honestly thinks that this team's going to have a down year? I think that's coach speak. Jim Moore has been in this game for a long time. He's got Josh Rosen, and that says a lot. This is also UCLA, which means they have a certain amount of depth. He's got Tom Bradley as his defensive coordinator. This is a team that's... I'm not going to anoint them Pac-12 champions just yet, but I certainly don't think they were anywhere near as low as Colorado. I think that 
UCLA is going to be good, and I think that is Jim Moore just really talking just at a media day function. Yeah, I think he's trying to, you know, do a little gamesmanship, you know, trying to, you know, not not really, like, slap all the other coaches in the face. I think he's just trying to keep it cool. Like, you know, he, does, he doesn't want to, you know, set, set any fires right now. Um, you, know, you, never know, you never know what could happen. I, I think that this is a solid 10-win team, and I think he knows that. Do you think that they what, – what is the line for them on handling different controversies? You know, because they have Puff Daddy come in and fight with Sal Alosi, who's the guy who tripped a player on the sidelines as an NFL strength coach. They bring in Tom Bradley, and that caused all sorts of issues uh, with, with him having been accused of having knowledge of everything that happened at Penn State and all of that ugliness. You know, and, and, and then, you know, he has his personal issues. And then their recruiting coordinator, Adrian Clem, you know, he suspended for a while last year uh, due to some recruiting violations. Is this just the Hollywood life? Is this entourage and drama? Uh, you know, because they still get in the, the $250 million from Under Armour or whatever. You know, can, is this just something that's kind of built into having a program in L.A.? Or is there going to be a breaking point where, where it's all going to fall apart? This is Hollywood. If this type of scenario and setting were to happen in, I'm going to say more of a campus environment, Blacksburg, Lincoln, Austin, I don't think it would fly. Just kind of switching briefly to another sport, the Los Angeles Dodgers had numerous problems, marital ownership, the McCourts, etc. They weathered that storm. UCLA is in the heart of Tinseltown, and yeah, I think... That is just expected. It's all part of Los Angeles. Again, nobody, no university really wants to have that type of controversy. Not at all. But at the same time, if there's going to be a place that it's accepted, it's Los Angeles. And it seems like, you know, you have guys like Ishmael Adams, you know, steals an Uber driver's phone or something like that. Meanwhile, down in Tempe, you know, any anything like that would probably be a one-way ticket off the team. Absolutely. So, so you're probably right there. But anyway, UCLA picked to finish uh, up near the top. ASU, you know, the, the expectations for them, according to some, is that they might not even necessarily make a bowl game. I've said 8-4 and four with a bowl loss is my ceiling for, for expectations. Uh, but do you guys think that there's actually the potential that this Arizona State team, no matter who they start at quarterback, no matter what uh, what, what they do as far as personnel-wise, has any shot at missing out on, a, on, on any of those little bowl games that you're not very fond of, Brett? They could miss out. They could end up 5-7 and seven and not be a bowl team. I mean, I'll say that the, uh, the quarterback scenario... For myself, I can't say it necessarily bothers me. It's just very, very important. Someone's going to have to step up, and hopefully they do. But going into, and again, we can talk about the Texas Tech game next week or in week two, games like that, I think, matter big time. And this is definitely a, at least on paper, a second-tier Pac-12 team. And, and I think it's going to take a lot. A lot of guys are going to have to step up. So I'm going to say 5-7, and 6-6 six and six is what we could be looking at unless somebody really has that dominant breakout year. This team is 7-8 wins guaranteed. Um, I, the, the only problem with this team that I see right now is the unfortunate happen. And it was the only way that he wasn't going to start at quarterback. I know there was a lot of whispers that um, maybe he was changing positions. But the Bryce Perkins situation and the cloud that is now hovering around um, the offense because Bryce got injured. Um, I know that people thought that maybe ASU asked him to switch, switch positions. I think that what happened was he's the only player that was capable in that quarterback group of switching positions. So that's why those rumors were maybe kind of brought up or the whispers kind of happened. Um, I, I just, you know, it, it's unfortunate what happened to uh, Bryce, but um, any, any of these quarterbacks is capable of getting seven, seven eight wins in the pack. That, that's what I think. See, I, uh, I th- I'm very big on Brady White. I mean, I do think that whether it was Bryce or Brady, I think they'll come on. I, by no means am I really down on the QB situation. I just, it's of concern. Until a guy is under center and producing, I think that that's a question mark. And right now, I just don't see that happening. I think one of the guys will come on. That'll be White. 
And I, I just think that six and I guess to answer your question, six and six would get you into a bowl game. Five and seven wouldn't, and I, I'm leaning towards five and seven right now. So to Sean Smallwood, he's going to anchor this defensive line, even though he's one of the smaller guys out there. When he got out here, that wasn't the case. But the recruits that Todd Graham keeps bringing in keep getting bigger and bigger. Uh, and now he's, you know, looking around and looking up to people. Um, one interesting thing about Deshaun Smallwood is his roommates actually with four different offensive linemen. And oh, him. wow. <laughs> Uh, but then he's trying to learn all the secrets. Yeah, Damn. Okay. yeah. Well, Connor Humphrey he lived with, and then Connor Humphrey was on the defensive line, got switched over. So it's him and four offensive linemen. So you might be right, Chili. But Tim White is the guy that everyone really expects to have um, a major year, possibly be uh, uh, maybe a day two NFL pick. You know, throw him out there. He, he's probably. Uh, living in the shadow of a guy like Adoree Jackson right now. Okay. As somebody who has the ability to do the same things but didn't come out of high school uh, and, and, and latch on with the team right away. Instead, he's you know three years at a JUCO and has two years to really make an impact. Um, you know, we, we, you watch some of these practices, and it's obvious they're going to get him out on some quick bubble screens um, and, and try to get him behind Ellis Jefferson blocks and, and, and let him go to work. What is your expectation for Tim White this year? I'm going to say 1,000 yards. Easy. I just think that Tim White is an undisputed leader on this team. He showed that, especially the back half of last year. This is a very deep position, probably the strength of the ASU Sun Devils. And I think Tim White is a guy who, and I'm not going to go as far as Chile, who predicted a lot for uh, Ellis Jefferson a year ago. But I think we're looking at double-digit scores, and I think we're looking at, I'm going to say, let's, let's say 1,200 yards. I think that Tim White is going to take it upon himself, not only so much really for personal numbers, because personal numbers come when you lead a team and when you're part of success, but I look for a lot out of him, and I think he's a vital part of the squad. Ellis was about 10% of the way there from my predictions last year. And uh, I, I think that he's due up for a breakout year. I, I think the wide receiving core is going to produce a lot of things, a lot of surprises because, you know, we, there's some uncertainty at quarterback. We're, we're not quite sure what we're getting. Um, but I think the good that comes with that is I don't think anybody else that is going to be playing defense against them is sure of what they're going to be getting either. Um and I think that the wide receiving core is going to really benefit from that, whether it's White or Jefferson, hopefully my boy Nikhil Harry. Um, I think whoever takes snaps for the Sun Devils really has an opportunity to be like Pac-12 Newcomer of the Year. Well, you, good point. Very you, good point. You have a situation where if you have Ellis Jefferson on one side and you have Nikhil Harry on the other, you're trotting out two, six, four and a half wide receivers who are well over 200 pounds. And if you're getting somebody on these little swing passes like Tim White, who's shifty, who really only needs to make one move behind a big body wide receiver, then you could see him make some pretty electric plays mm-hmm. without the quarterback necessarily having to do too much. Uh, and so I think that's maybe what Tim White brings to the table. And, and our expectations for Tim White are far even below what his are for himself. This is a guy who constantly and consistently believes he's the best player on the field regardless. Uh, and in practice, he's been wearing the uh, the Pat Tillman jersey. If you've been on DevilsDigest.com, uh, you know you've known that for about a week solid, uh, it's not very common for an ASU player to be wearing a Pat Tillman jersey to practice, um, especially an offensive player. So to have to have him wearing that jersey for a week, just sort of representing the values of the program on the field and in the classroom, you know, th- th- this is your guy this year. As he goes, mm-hmm. the team probably goes. And he'll have an opportunity to keep you in the games on special teams and on offense. So let's move away from Pac-12 Media Day and get into the debacle that was Camp T uh, up in Payson. I drove out for the last two days. Um, I ended up there by myself with ASU back in town. Uh, and uh, You had you good know, family pictures, though. Yeah, I took some family pictures. <laughs> I brought my kids out there with me. Uh, and you know we just hiked around and made sure we made the most of our our hotel reservation before we came back down. Uh, I went up there with the goal of seeing not necessarily players break out or anyone have a decent practice, but because they started the season there, I wanted to see the procedural stuff. 
how were they ingratiating the freshmen into uh, the system that they run? You know, is this going to be a team that has, with a young offensive line, with a young quarterback, uh, are they going to have discipline issues that Todd Graham hasn't had to face in, in previous seasons with, you know, false starts and things like that? Uh, I wanted to see how they were sort of getting those things down. Um, and I didn't really necessarily get the opportunity to do that because this young team, you know, doesn't get to have a full practice at uh, Camp T the first day. You know, it gets called because of rain. And then and then the field's messy when they do practice at Camp T the second day. Then the third day the practice gets called early and then they go home a day early. So my question to you is, will this Camp T situation affect them this season or can they get this train back on the tracks i think they can i think they can get the train back on the tracks it's it's unfortunate with uh camp team now granted they even had some weather issues last year you and i went up there it wasn't to the extreme that it was for this year 2016 yeah you need those Back to basics, the fundamentals, that's really what Camp T is about. Aside from the brotherhood, it is true camp and structure. Is it hard to get that back? Yes, because at this point in time, at practice, you're working on skill. You're working on schemes and details. I do think, though, over the course of your general practices in the back half of August, the younger guys are able to get those initial reps that they missed. Chili, do you think that there's an issue? Because this year they started there. Last year they kind of ended uh, their practices there. Do you think that they should have Camp T be at the very, very beginning when they start practices? Or should they have a couple of week of practices in the valley, in the bubble, get down all their routines, and then head out? I think they should I think they should do it that way, the second way. But this is this is a special group that the Sun Devils have coming in. This recruiting class is very very has a very very close bond, um, led by Nikhil Harry and Chase Lucas. And I think we're going to start seeing a lot more of those type of recruiting classes coming in with all those Saguaro kids, all the local products. And I think the I think Coach Todd Graham is in a very very special and beneficial situation to himself and the program where he can kind of dictate how the camps how how they pick to do it because typically I would say doing it where you kind of get in get in a Kajikawa uh, the little bubble thing and um, you know practice there get get things down and then go to camp that's the best way to do it but I think that you know for these coming years they're gonna have some special situations where they can kind of you know figure it out as they go along now there were some freshmen who, who popped and, and Chase Lucas might be a little bit small to get on the field this year uh, even though personally, you know, knowing knowing Chase, knowing the way his brain works, you know, you got to give that guy a couple of special teams reps, or or mm-hmm. you know, he he might check out. So, uh, but there are a couple of freshmen who might get on the field this year. Nikhil Harry's obviously one of them. He's been practicing uh, with the ones intermittently. Uh, even had a little bit of an injury, was able to come back from that ankle injury and practice with the ones again this week. Uh, that's something you can find out when you read our practice reports on on DevilsDigest.com. So if you haven't if you haven't registered, if you haven't uh, subscribed, make sure you do that so you're in the know. But Nikhil Harry has been practicing with the ones. We can pretty much guarantee this is a guy that's going to see the field, make an early impact. You know, beyond that, a lot of unfortunate circumstances with some of the JUCO guys. Uh, have have led to um, us believing that they're not necessarily going to see the field this year. Doug Suttle was going to be a big part of this recruiting class. We don't even necessarily know if he's going to be part of the active roster this year or if he'll need to finish up a couple of classes and, and possibly start next year. Um, you know, A.J. McCollum, the center that was supposed to come in and challenge for the starting job, he's been uh, out of shape and injured. Uh, Maurice Chandler injured. Um, Jamarcus Rhodes, uh, he missed some time in in spring for personal Mm -hmm. reasons, so he might not necessarily be up to speed. Um, But there is a guy, Robbie Robinson, uh, who if you follow him on Twitter, you're an ASU fan, and you you follow him on Twitter. He's a little cornerback four-star that came out from Virginia. And, And you can see right away that this is a guy who has excellent coverage skills, will probably draw a few flags, which will drive Todd Graham crazy. Um, and, and unfortunately, his height will keep him from being able to stop guys who are 6'5", 6'6", from just plucking the ball over his 
over his head, but he's a guy that looks like he could get on the field right away. And with Tyler McClure set to possibly start at center and being a walk-on, you know, you have uh, guys like Cole Cabral, offensive lineman, who might actually challenge to get some playing time as a true freshman, which is pretty unheard of for an offensive lineman. Knowing that there's only probably going to be two or three freshmen who actually set foot on the field this year, can you look back at last year's recruiting class and say it was a success? Uh, knowing that the team is young and could possibly have used you know, some, of, some of their help now? Tough question. I mean, it's hard to judge a recruiting class until they've kind of had a season under their belt. But yeah, you're right. There have been uh, situations where the guys have been snake bitten, and that's kind of why you can never really recruit too much. So yeah, I, I just it, it's always been tough for me to look at a recruiting class until guys are actually on the field. I mean. You mentioned uh, Robertson. To me, he is a guy who is slightly smaller version of Kareem Orr. Kareem Orr came in and pretty much did his thing as a true freshman. So, yeah, we'll see. There's some little spots and something we talked about. I've never been a huge fan of the junior college route. So yeah, you've we'll, talked about yeah. that frequently. Mm-hmm. Now, they've had some hits with, with, with Juco, but if you strike out the way that it's potential – you take like 10, 11 guys from the JUCO level, they're yes. not able to contribute right away, then you jam yourself up. Correct, because when you're taking a junior college guy, you're kind of like you said, you jam yourself up. You're interrupting that flow of true freshmen or redshirt freshmen, and you're really expecting immediate impact 9 out of 10 times when you take a JC guy, whereas when you take someone from high school, you've kind of got that tree of a five-year scenario. If Nikhil Harry gets on the field and grabs himself 400 yards receiving and four touchdowns, and if Robbie Robinson gets gets in at like Nickelback or something like that, you absolutely have to say that this recruiting class was a win. Because like you said, Chase is going to find his way on the field, whether it's through special teams or whatever. Um, you know, Chase has never played defense before, so he's got to learn how to hit. The best way to give him that opportunity is to put him on some kickoff coverage teams. So I think that this, I think that no matter what, it's safe to say this recruiting class was, was, a, was a victory. And, and you've said that. you said that you love this recruiting class. You said you love the receivers. Kyle Williams has looked good. Mm-hmm. Frank Derby has looked good. They've had some walk-ons that have looked good as well. But when, when, when the guys that you're talking about um, that are looking good are all of the freshmen, and then you're looking at the entire junior college class that made up probably half your class – and you're saying, you know, you're supposed to be more ready than the other guys. Um, Chile, in, in your mind, you know, a year from now, could you change your mind on that? Could this recruiting class end up being uh, something that ASU regrets? No, no way. There's no way that ASU ever regrets this recruiting class. Um, you know, a, uh, Arizona, the state of Arizona has had how many five-star recruits. There was a kid that went to Texas A&M, and then now there's Nikhil Harry, and we got one of them. We got half of them in the last, like, three years four years um you know the secondary is is young and you know they're made up of a lot of sophomores if some of these guys don't start panning out you're gonna have to look at the robinsons and the lucases to come step right in and what better than the local products to come in and you know make that impact and next year we we have even more it gets even better i can't i can't wait i'm just licking my chops these these classes that coach todd graham is bringing in are what ASU fans have been waiting for. See, and Chili, you like the local guys, and Brett, you say whatever, just win. Right, exactly. And I think that on on the actual message boards of Devil's Digest, this is what we run into. You have a lot of guys that root for the local recruits, and you have a lot of guys that say, I don't care if we get anybody from Arizona. If it's a Texas two-star like a Nick Ralston, Mm -hmm. and he can come in and play, then we'll take a Texas two-star every single time. But, I mean, what advantages – ASU has taken five local recruits for the 2017 class already, and a lot of them are guys that didn't necessarily have a ton of offers uh, at, at the highest level, like Curtis Hodges, their most recent commit from Mesa Mountain View. This is really his first major offer outside of Iowa State. He's a six foot seven kid. You know, he could not pan it out at all. 
where he could be great. Same with a Jack Smith last year, who was a quarterback at Mountain Point and will be a slot receiver. You know, some of these guys they've been taking lately have been have been uh, seemingly risks and not really known outside of the state of Arizona. Would you rather hit with a local prospect like that, or would you rather take a big time Texas player uh, who's maybe rated similarly? Yeah, I mean, every now and then you're going to have your your risks that you take, like the Jack Smith who. Uh, was a quarterback last year at Mountain Point. All of a sudden was um, going to be a safety here, and then now he's playing slot receiver. Next thing you know, he's um, going to be the punter. But, I mean, every now and then, you know, you get that hit, and I'd rather have that hit be a local kid, um, somebody that you take a chance on. And maybe, maybe it will be Jack Smith. Maybe he's kicking field goals for us next. And, you know, if we take the chance on him and he's a hit, that's fantastic. Same thing with Curtis Hodges. Yeah, I guess for me... The definition of a successful recruiting class, and I'm just kind of going back to your first question, really has to be depth. I mean, without a doubt, I think we're in agreement that Nikhil Harry is probably going to be the stud of this class. He's the jewel. But that's one guy. And I think we kind of have to wait at least a year, maybe two, and we'll say just a year, to see who else pans out. I'm not sure how many of them do. Hopefully it is a chase who's local but for me a guy like Ralston or well from previous years it doesn't matter where the guys come from I just want a very deep high school class because you can afford to miss with a couple of those guys and it just builds your depth but that's what recruiting is for for everybody across the board it's taking a chance on kids because you honestly don't know some of these five-star kids may never pan out for any of these schools whether it's Notre Dame oh, very State, true but or, Ari- or even Arizona State. no you're absolutely right I'd rather have several five-star guys than a few three-star local guys I'm really big into the numbers from the recruiting standpoint I'm a five-star guy much and like then, I'm big school bred I'm a five-star guy and the programs you came up following Brett you're, you're talking about Penn State you're talking about University of Texas where, you know, they'd be turning turn away a four-star every once in right. a while. Very true. Uh, so, Camp T happened. Uh, we'll see if it has any ultimate effect on them. Obviously, missing one or two days shouldn't. But to me, putting it at the beginning and, and sort of interfering with your process a little bit, you know, who knows what type of effect that has. But let's move on to, to sort of the next off-season event. Um, media day at ASU and Brett you were there uh, while I was out covering covering basketball and you got to see a lot of the players up close what are some of the things that that stood out to you and some of the people that you talked to that you kind of learned something from I tell you I really enjoyed being part of it for the second year in a row actually uh first guy I was able to talk to Christian Sam and something that he and I kind of uh joked about a little bit is yeah he's a junior but he truly is a leader. He's their, essentially their leading tackler, returning second leading tackler technically. He's a guy who's kind of embracing that role of, all right, now it's time for me to pass down my knowledge, even though I still have two full years left. You move over to Demario Richard, who he might have impressed me the most. I actually had to really listen to him a little bit talking with other people before I got to sit down with him. He will do anything he can for this team. He will block for the punter. He will go out for a pass if need be. He loves to run the rock. So Demario Richard really, to me, is he's one of the heart and souls of this team. And then I look at a guy like Kareem Orr, who is just very laid back, very... um, Happy to be here is not the phrase, but he enjoyed his success as a freshman. He's looking to build upon that, and I think he's a future leader, and I think he's he's a dominant guy in that secondary. So it was really good just to be around him, to see the attention that Brady White got, to see Chip Lindsey in a relaxed atmosphere. It was almost like spring training for baseball, where the guys are just kind of sitting back and you can get a few words with them. To be able to talk with Todd Graham without the whole media cluster around was really good. So overall, it was a good experience, and I think this is a very upbeat team, which is great to see. Well, let's hear a little bit from Christian Sam. 
Well, Christian, Sam, I'll say that you had a very good season last year. Uh, second on the team in tackles. Just take us through the year. It seemed like you started off big with the game against Texas A&M, and then you got better as the season went along. Uh, yeah, I was a little nervous, you know, going in. Uh, first time starting, you know, first time playing in front of a crowd like that. Uh, and I was just, you know, but I I didn't really have time to be nervous as I, I was, really, because it came so fast. But, you know, I just wanted to, you know, play for my team, you know, play for the people next to me. You know, our coaches did a good job, you know, getting us coached up and getting us ready. How about the, uh, I'm going to say, the uh, the bond, the formation of you guys as a defense coming together towards the end of the season? It was good. Uh, we, we were always close, but I feel like as the season went on, you know, we went through some things and we got closer. And that's what the team's supposed to do I mean, you know, adversity strikes in the season and go as planned. But, you know, we were still close. What are some of the things that you look to improve upon from your sophomore to junior year, whether it's you internally or something the coaches have indicated to you? Uh, we just got to, you know, the season, you know, we stick tight. You know, the chemistry we have right now, we, we can go as far as we want. You know, I, I really believe we can win the Pac-12 championship and get to the Rose Bowl. And I really believe we can compete for that. Believe it or not, you're still obviously a young guy, but I consider you a leader on this defense. What are you kind of preaching to some of the younger guys? Uh, you know, Although it seems like you're just a young guy yourself. Yeah, I, I sometimes still think I'm pretty young. Uh, mm-hmm. But, no, I just try to sell them the ropes, you know, because when I was young, you know, I had, you know, seniors and juniors like Demarius and Jamil and TK, you know, showing me the ropes. So, you know, I try to help them as much as possible as they have questions or they, they're struggling. You know, I try to help them because I, I know what it feels like to be there. Going back a few years, you were playing high school football in Texas. I'm going to give you some time to brag about the Allen Eagles, unbeaten team. Oh, yeah, the number one team in the country. Sounds good. Have a great season, Christian. Thank you very much. Thank you. And something that you probably will joke about, of course, you've heard the uh, all about Allen High School. Christian Sam mentioned, go Allen Eagles. He was part of one of those unbeaten teams standing in the Texas high school football ranks. That's right. That's right. Todd, Todd Graham used to coach, and, and uh, I believe Chad, Chad Adams on the team as well. And, and, and it's, a, it's a program that um, – Arizona would be lucky to have a stadium like that. Yeah, it's uh, awesome. I mean, <laughs> football awesome. is something else in, in, in Texas. But you also, like you said, you had a chance uh, to talk to uh, to Kareem Orr, who, who's always a good interview. Defensive back Kareem Orr. Last year you had a very solid season as a true freshman. Six interceptions among the leaders nationally. But just talk about how you integrated yourself in that Sun Devil backfield. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, I just came in, did my job, you know, was, everything was going on, you know, I was just trying to get get right, you know, doing my assignments, you know, just doing what I got to do out there on the field. So, I mean, uh, I came in, I thought I contributed well to the team. What have some of the coaches asked you to do or even you internally to improve on from 2015 to 2016? Yeah, you know, uh, just step up, you know, step up as a leader. You know, they know I got it talent-wise. I want me to step up as a leader this year, be a leader in that back end for the defensive backs. Someone who I considered a leader who might have even been a mentor to you last year was Jordan Simone. What did he kind of uh, instill on you from a work ethic to a talent ethic? You know, uh, hard work is be talent, you know, so uh, I always work hard is what he always told me, you know, you keep working hard one day and one day I'll be there and make it. One of the things I've noticed was uh, even last year there was a uh, solid brotherhood in the running back scenario between uh, Demario Richard and Kalen Bellage. Talk about the camaraderie amongst the defensive backs. Yeah, uh, this year, you know, we uh, we taking a different approach to things this year. You know, after practice, we'll have to get the guys together. We'll talk about how the day was. We'll uh, talk about assignments, uh, keys, and things that we need to work on to get better that next practice. So we're doing things like that, trying, trying to take steps to get better in the back end. So I think uh, the chemistry will be better this year. And the schedule doesn't really do you guys any favors the first couple of weeks. NAU, which seems to have a strong passing attack this season. And as you know, Texas Tech always slings the ball a lot. So you guys have your work cut out for you. Exactly. You know, we're we, we getting ready for it. You know, they're going to throw the ball 70 times a game. We're just getting ready in the back end to make interceptions and stuff like that. You're from the state of Tennessee, which is obviously an SEC country. Here you are in the heart of the big, uh, excuse me, the big 12, Pac-12. What drew you out to here to Tempe? Uh, you know, uh, the people, really, uh, teammates, you know, Coach Graham, he, good guy. He, uh, he came to my house in Tennessee, you know, he, he done done everything. He, Says a lot. Yeah, he, he's done everything for me that he said he was going to do, you know, freshman All-American, things like that. So I'm just going to keep doing, keep listening to him, keep working hard. And lastly, looking back on it, what would your high school coach, Charles Fant, say about you? He's very proud of me, man. He talks to him every day.
Outstanding. Thank you so much, Kareem. Thank you. And just being from Tennessee, as he and I had kind of joked about it, it's a weird scenario. Not too many people out west get a guy from SEC country, so I think the Sun Devils are lucky to have him, and he's more than happy to be here. Now, uh, you also talked to Demario Richard, and I, I, I want to put something out there about Demario. He's sort of got the attitude of a, of a, of a prize fighter, of a boxer, the way he carries himself. Um, you know, I'm going to whoop your ass, and if I don't, then do you blame me for thinking I was going to whoop your ass? Like, that's, <laughs> that's sort of his, his mindset going in. And, you know, he's pretty much said the road... Uh, and and if, if you're on, you know, Devil's Digest, uh, you know, we, we've some great reporters that were out there at Media Day, like Fabian Ardaya, Justin Scano, Sandy Charles, Hoderbino, we're all out there talking to players as well. And uh, and Demario said the road still goes through Arizona State to win the Pac-12 South. So let's let's hear from him and then let's get your thoughts on that. Demario Richard, I'm very fortunate to have some time with you. You are in high demand. I was listening to a few of your comments earlier. Very insightful just as far as you're a true team guy. It seems like you'll do whatever's asked of you from punt blocking to rushing the ball to receiving the ball. Man, I, I got team me, not team me, team first, me second. You know, I'll be coming every day. You, obviously, you can see that post right there, right there. National champions team is the big and it's little me. So, I mean, we come in every day, you know, um, making sure my teammates are good and uh, making sure I make sure the coaching staff is good. So I put everything ahead of me, especially when it comes to the football stuff. So I just put everything, everything, everybody ahead of me. I worry about me last because I know my coaches will take care of me and I know my teammates will take care of me. What are some of your, uh, not even so much personal goals, but as you move from sophomore to a junior, what are you looking to improve upon? Just staying healthy, uh, staying healthy and uh, Bringing home that Pac-12 and national championship, really the Pac-12 championship. We've been we've been so close for years, you know. So I mean, we got to bring it home and just staying healthy. Obviously, there was an offensive coordinator change from last year to this year. That doesn't seem to really affect you. It seems like once the ball's in your hand, you're going to do what you need to do. It didn't really affect me. It's just made the more the offense more. I mean, more made it really faster, you know, and uh, more. Excuse me, more like simple you know so I mean it's football like okay we got a couple new names and stuff like that but it's still football when you get the ball in your hands you still got to do what you got to do the offensive coordinator and the coaches it don't matter you still getting the ball in your hands so once you get the ball in your hands what you gonna do with it and as you start to move up the ladder with ASU as far as some tenure who is the guy that you might have looked up to in the last couple of years who've influenced you in a Sun Devil uniform uh, DJ Foster, of course, you know, that's my big brother. The transfer from UCLA, Devin Lucian, Derek Hagan, we both from the same city. Um, Jamil Douglas, Christian Westerman, V. Some of my, even my own teammates now, like Smallwood and Layu. The guys who've been here, you know, it was on that 2013 team who's been there and tasted it. So. I mean, everybody has an influence on me, especially in Marcus Ball. So it's like Armand Perry, my roommate. So it's like everybody has an influence on me here, you know. So, um, But those probably are the main guys who really impact my life, you know, because those are the guys I talk to every day. And um, my, my locker is right next to Marcus's and AP. So, I mean, they make sure my head is straight, you know, they making sure I'm doing everything correct. Stay healthy and have a great 2016. Thank you. He's just a true believer. And he should be. He plays a very demanding position. He has a lot of faith and trust in his teammates. And he mentioned that DJ Foster is his guy. That was the first guy he mentioned as far as being mentored. And he was a player who got to that Pac-12 championship game. So when I look at a Demero Richard, yeah, he's all about teamwork. And yeah, I think you said it right. He has the attitude of... A boxer. He he's ready to whip ass. So I mean, you also you said that you know they didn't do necessarily the the traditional media Q and A with Todd Graham that they did last year, uh, which might be nice because if you recall, last year was the year Chile that he dropped his. I think you guys have exaggerated the whole DJ Foster position switch comment, which ended up kind of being a defining comment. 
for the season. Because not only did the media not exaggerate it, um, I mean, it went even further in that direction where uh, he was much less of a running back than he probably should have been and not as effective of a receiver as the media had projected him to be. So, um, you know, this format uh, where he's just kind of able to um, to get one-on-one, where he's really great with people one-on-one, you know, and, and, and talk without there being just people peppering him with, uh, with questions and maybe him being a little bit more um, uh, kind of on the defense. Do you feel like uh, that, that maybe sets some better expectations or creates a better environment um, for, for him to not end up shooting himself in the, in the foot? I think it does. I think just the, um, he's a very casual guy. He certainly knows, well, of course he knows what he's talking about, but I think when you can have a one-to-one relationship as opposed to addressing 10 or 15 people at a time, I think he's, um, I'm going to say a lot more sincere. I mean, he's always been very good with the media for the most part, so I think that being able to have that type of access, and I think he appreciates the direct questions in a casual setting as opposed to the podium show. I think most coaches are that way. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I don't, know, I don't know if I agree or not. I, I think uh, Coach Graham has a certain bravado to him. I mean, we're talking about a guy that, you know, has the boom copter and wants to circle around high school football stadiums and then land in his own private helicopter to, you know, kind of make his appearance. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not quite, I'm not really quite sure what to, what to take of some, some of the comments that he makes and when he makes them. Um, you know, last year he said that this was um, the most talented team that he's ever coached. And it very might have, it very, it might have been, maybe it was. It just, you know, you had a quarterback that wasn't the right fit for that offense. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, the, the jury's still out on that one for me. So uh, let's hear a little bit from Todd Graham, one-on-one. Coach Graham, obviously you're asked this a lot, but how's camp going? How are things? Just kind of talk about the overall state of the team and even today's practice. Well, it's good to be in year five. Um, I enjoy coaching these guys every day. We have a disciplined culture in place, and uh, uh, we've had a real physical camp. Obviously, we're going to have a new quarterback and uh, uh, you know four new offensive linemen, and that's really not totally accurate because Sam Jones started a bunch of games, so did Stephon McCray. Um, but and obviously, you know, some some three new players on on the in the secondary. But and other than that, pretty veteran team. So it's been very physical. The guys have worked really hard. Our our big focus has been, you know, la- you know, the first three years we were here, we were, uh, you know, top three in the country in turnover ratio, and that's discipline, Sun Devil football. We got to get back to that. And obviously, with a new quarterback, we got to be real smart with the football and and be simple up front. So I've been very pleased with our guys and how they work. From a running game standpoint, obviously, Balazs and Richard lead the way. Who else might we see possibly emerge uh, with some carries over the season? Yeah, Nick Ralston's had a tremendous camp, um, uh, and I think a guy poised to have a great year. Uh, he's a guy that we, we definitely see as a, a factor in our offense and has completely transformed his body. And, uh, um, I mean, you know, a guy that rushed for 6,000 yards in high school, so in Texas so uh, he, he's definitely the the next guy after that and we'll, we'll see a lot of playing time because we'll use uh, Kalen and, and uh, uh, DeMario in the same sets uh, and Gump I think Gump will, will have a package uh, even though he'll be a full-time player on defense and have a package there and you know Jason Lewis has started to come on and start to improve and get better and a guy that has a lot of capabilities so um, you know, I've been pleased with where we're at there. We, you know, obviously got to continue to get better and take care of the football. So obviously, you know, he sounds a little bit different than, than last year when it wasn't just him, but some of his players uh, who sort of treated every day like it was that Tim Tebow, South Carolina <laughs> speech. You, you know, you'll never see anyone work as hard as me. Um, thank you. Sure, <laughs> Walk yes. off the podium. And, you know, with, with Mike Bercovici's letter to the – um, let, to letter the to the fan base and with the way that Jordan Simone would talk. This is a much more subdued team. This is a team that doesn't necessarily have any um, anyone who's front and setter in the in a leadership type position. Uh, the guys who everyone looks to as being the best players on the team 
are quiet, lead-by-example types, uh, like Salamo Fiso, Laio Mokiola, guys like that. So, you know, you you have a lot less bravado uh, coming in, but Chile, do you think they have less swag? And I know that there's a difference between the two. Um... I think I think uh, you're you're talking about versus the 2015 team. Yeah, where where they would it, it, they would I, come out and they would say he you know here's what we expect to do. That's different than in your heart saying we're going to tear you apart. I think they have less swag because they don't have a quarterback that threw for 500 yards in a game. They don't have a quarterback that threw the jail mary. They don't have a running back who is um, breaking records at Arizona State. Um, yeah, hopefully, you know, Demario Richard does something very, very special next year. Um, I, yeah, I, I think I think this team has a little less swag. Do I think that they're um, they're gonna do less than last year's team? No, I think I think they're on pace for seven, eight wins at least. And is that what it'll take to 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 get it back to to win more than last year's team? Um, I think I think uh, I think it's unfortunate because it's a, it's an unfortunate situation to be in. We we have a quarterback that's thrown thanks to thanks to your knowledge of the statistics. We have a quarterback that's thrown one pass in a game or whatever, which um, didn't count. Which didn't mm-hmm. count. Um, you know we have, we have some we have some question marks at some key positions. Uh, what do we expect of the secondary? Um, Last year there was a lot of hype, and for good reason. Like I said, you're coming off of a season. You're coming off back-to-back ten-win seasons. Mm-hmm. You're coming off those back-to-back ten-win seasons with somebody who you kind of felt like was proven at quarterback. Wow, this guy threw for like a thousand yards in two games. Oh my goodness, what's he going to be capable of in ten games? Like, is he going to is he going to throw like for four thousand, five thousand yards? Like, he's got a huge arm, you know. I, it's just different. Um, I expect eight wins out of this team. I expect seven, eight wins, and I think, and I, I'd be cool with that. I'd say the season was a success. Now Todd Graham, he's always trying to squeeze some extra juice out of the lemon. So I think that gives the Sun Devils hope for hey, maybe he can find a way to win that ninth game. Maybe he can find a way to win that tenth game. So I mean, just imagine where would this team if 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 you really feel like they've kind of lost that swagger and they've lost that confidence, you know where where would this team be without Demario Richard, and where would this team be without Tim White essentially and having that attitude that they're the best no matter what? Well, they're gonna they're gonna need that to feed the other players to get the other players hot. They're gonna need you know um, players like that in the locker room to you know keep everybody else you know bring the spirits up so to speak. They're not, ju- they're not just guys that uh, are producing on the field, but these are the locker room guys now. These are the guys right. that you need to, you Demario know. Richard is the guy. I mean, he's the guy who is going to tell Brady White or Manny Wilkins, look, hey, this is what we have to do. He's, he's the unofficial captain. I mean, he, he's him. I'm going to say Christian Sam, a very quiet guy, but he understands subliminally that he has to be one of those leaders. I mean, he's... Up there in team tackles. I mean, he, he's the guy. Your quarterback doesn't have to be your hype man. That was... No. I mean, you you came off a few years of Taylor Kelly, and you know your quarterback doesn't have to be as vocal as somebody like Mike Mike Bercovici, you know. Not that his play didn't always back it up. It's just that, you know, that's a guy that definitely led with his comments and his emotions and... And 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 so, you know, you, you can have a quiet quarterback Absolutely. who just gets you through... Yeah, no, no question. I, you know, I, I think that uh, a proven quarterback, though. Yes, I think the Demer- the Demario Richard Tim White situation is going to be good for uh, some of our young players. I know we've talked about Nikhil a lot, but like when when it comes down to you know third and goal or whatever from the five or six yard line, and you need that alley oop corner pass to Nikhil Harry, those are going to Tim White and uh, Demario Richard. Those are going to be the guys that go and grab Nikhil's face mask. Hey. Hey, young fella, this one's you. Like you, you got to get us through this, and it's gonna pick Nikhil up. Nikhil's gonna be hyped, and you know it's gonna be cool. He's gonna need something like that. He's gonna need these big brothers to look out for him. I think that's what's really exciting me for this season: the unproven. I'm looking forward to seeing Nikhil Harry 
in the ASU outfits, costumes, colors, whatever we want to call it, as opposed to costumes, because I know you think they have too many uniforms. That we can we can definitely go there, but there's so much unknown to this team. That's why I'm intrigued about this 2016 team. Well, let's let's switch and talk about a team that's all of a sudden overflowing with swag. <laughs> ASU yeah. basketball. Yes. ASU basketball went from uh, having a successful out-of-conference slate last year to collapsing in-conference to seemingly striking out on recruit after recruit after recruit to then somehow rebounding and ending up with the number 21 recruiting class in all of rivals for the class of 2016. They get uh, Ramon Vila from Spain, who has a you know just got his under twenty gold medal, and he's coming over. Doesn't even know English yet. <laughs> you know they they have uh, Vitali Shibble, who's going to be out this year probably with a knee injury, uh, but also proved himself on the on the uh, international stage as well as you know played some high school and prep ball here in the states. They end up with uh, Romello White, who could very well miss the season due to academic reasons. He's a star, though. Oh, my yeah. God. Maybe not in the classroom, but my goodness, <laughs> on the hardwood, that boy can play some ball. And then Sam Cunliffe, who has serious NBA potential. I mean, that's Greg Rosenberg is a guy sure. that you interviewed. Yes. Uh, Rosie! Yeah, who who looks at Sam Cunliffe as a guy that could probably... He knows everything about prep basketball. Like, if, if you're not... Uh, if you're not in tune with Greg Rosenberg, like you're not following the right guys yeah. on Twitter. We're lucky enough to have Greg Rosenberg be part of our team here at Rivals over at Arizona Varsity. He he contributes to Devil's Digest as well. I'm telling you, subscribe devilsdigest.com. You will not regret it. You will not find somebody who who knows more about uh, the prep basketball scene and not just the local kids either. He's he's one of really well known uh, West Coast scout who has connections to all the coaches and everything and. Uh, but you know he's a guy who says Sam Conliffe has some NBA potential. Andre Adams is a big six foot nine kid who's coming off a knee injury. All of a sudden, this team that you know had Eric Jacobson at six foot ten, and then Savon Goodman at six six and a half is going to trot out in the next couple of years. Five or six six foot nine guys. They got bigger out on the wing. They got more athletic, and they have kids knocking on the door to want to come here. Three and four star That's kids right. That's that right. you know, and and they end up hosting this elite camp that you and I have a chance to go to, Brett. And it was it was elite. It was the first time for me in the Weather Up Center, and you walk in and there's a gym to your left, there's a gym to your right, and it's like let me walk to the left, and first person I see, Bobby Hurley. Ton of tall guys, 6'10". I mean, it was just overall impressive. You heard the sneakers squeaking on the court. And right off the bat, you could see talent. You saw guys who just could camp up and shoot all day long. It, it was, I, I don't know. It was just in getting to talk to Greg a little bit and learning who some of the guys were and getting their class rank and understanding what they're projecting to be. It was it was definitely more than worth going to. I learned a lot. I got to finally get the scope of the prep scene and understand through Greg Rosenberg what ASU basketball is projected to be like and what Bobby Hurley is looking for over the next couple of years. Right. They had class of 2020 kids out there. They had class yeah. of 2019, a couple of elite 2018 kids from even out of out of state uh, yes. traveling for this. And then they had three or four kids on, oh, actually, I think up to six kids from the 2017 class, all on unofficial visits, all, most of whom have pledged to come back mm-hmm. on September 23rd for official visits. Oh, wow. uh, and, you know, and these are kids we've even talked about being a package deal when there are more kids uh, than <laughs> ASU has scholarships available. And then incoming point guard uh, Remy Martin was there yes, as well, uh, observing everything. If you get a chance to check his game out, he's great, and he also looks like the weekend. So yeah, <laughs> yes, that's he interesting. Does. But he uh, so anyway, you have all of this talent in one area and all of this buzz around a program that hasn't really done anything yet. 
Um, but before we talk a little bit more about the basketball program, let's jump into your interview with Greg Rosenberg. Well, I have the privilege of sitting here with, and I'm going to call him the basketball expert. That's Greg Rosenberg. And here we are on the campus of ASU watching a lot of elite prospects describe what this camp is about and um, maybe some of the guys who we can possibly expect to see in college somewhere. Well, it's, it's a great chance for Hurley and his staff to kind of see how they are, you know, hands-on, have the ability to actually coach them and work with them, see what they're about, kind of the inside of each kid, which is kind of what each coach is really trying to find out, not just their actual skills and what they look like, try to actually get to know them and see if, if they you know, their personalities click, mesh, and just, you know, trying to see uh, if that's what, it's a good perfect marriage for, for their college. Is this mostly local kids? Do we have a few, uh, I'm going to say, regional kids, or mostly Arizona, or a little bit of everything? Right now, I mean, there's a few from, from out of town. doesn't seem like they're, they're playing. They're kind of just watching and kind of just taking it all in. But mostly it's Arizona plus uh, a good group of Compton Magic kids. Um, okay. Adidas, uh, the, lone, <laughs> uh, the lone feeder right now in the whole Pac-12 is Arizona State. They're the only ones associated now with Adidas. So Compton Magic, which is Adidas, many uh, Compton Magic students are players. That's a nice marriage right there, ASU with Compton. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The the talent pool from their 2020 to 2019 to 2018 is loaded. And that is one thing I wanted to ask you as far as the talent scenario. You've been watching high school and college basketball, obviously even the NBA, for a long time. This group, this era, how does it, I don't like to say how does it compare, but how have you seen the game change, we'll say, at the high school level over the last, let's say, handful of years? <laughs> Whether it's the kids getting bigger or uh, yeah. quicker. I think I think they're a little more athletic. I mean, I think they a lot of above-the-rim type of players. Um, <laughs> I mean, the size is, is still about the same. There's you know, still the, you know, like Tyler Ulysses of the world, but... There's also the big point guards like Lonzo Balls bringing that back like a Jason Kidd type. But the skill level seems to be a little lower um, depending on where they're from, what region. I mean, I, the Utah kids, for some reason, what it is, I don't know, it's a good schooling when they're young, seem to be a little more skilled than some Arizona and California kids. Now, obviously, th- this is just, you know, cl- cl- clumping, a, you know, a brand, but it's really just a general thing that seems like Utah, at least in, in this part of the you know, West Coast, seems a little more skilled, maybe not as athletic. You know, that's kind of like a typical thing. Yeah, he's not as athletic, but his skill level's off the charts, you know, stuff like that. When you mentioned brand, obviously Bobby Hurley has a brand of basketball that I think is phenomenal. I think maybe the first word that comes to mind is hardworking. How would you describe his brand and what we hope to see from the Sun Devil program years to come? Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, I think him being a point guard, he's trying to find that star point guard. Maybe the Buffalo boys <laughs> had to sit out, so maybe we'll, we'll see some outstanding guard play. Uh, we do have Trey, They do have Trey Holder coming back, so I think he's now, as you could say, a veteran. Mm-hmm. But the play with him and um, the outstanding Buffalo uh, transfers, I think, will really solidify the point guard, which obviously Hurley being a point guard himself, mm-hmm. I think will just help calm down in these Pac-12, you know, high-pressure situations where you need that leader, floor general on the court, and I think that will help a lot. Bobby Hurley obviously played at Duke many years ago. We'll go back to the early 90s. What's funny is a lot of these kids weren't even born yet, but he seems to have always had a name. He did not star necessarily in the NBA, even though he was drafted very high. But for however reason, obviously his dad coaches, still does coach for many years. It seems like kids aren't foreign to Bobby Hurler or they're not foreign to him even though he's been out of the game from a player a long time yeah that, that's a good point a lot of these kids I mentioned you know oh this guy was a star like so and so and they're like who's that you know Hur- Hurley's still it's it's interesting because I, I think his dad does help that because it's such a story program right now I mean is one of the you could argue is one of the greatest yeah greatest high school coach of all time I mean he's definitely in the top 10 um, but and then, you know, Bobby, the Duke factor is a big deal. And, you know, kids want to, that, you know, background is just an epic background. Um, and then he, he, his life history is very interesting 
road <laughs> with with the accident and stuff and him trying to you know regain uh, his form as you will like uh, from Duke and Team USA when he he played so well against the dream team and um, I mean I, I think he it's a great story for kids to kind of lean on and they could buy into that Bobby Hurley and Mr. Hurley <laughs> um, legacy you know if, if you will but uh, it's I, I think uh, he's going to do some really good things here and that first class is kind of showing with Sam Cunliffe and Jethro Schmanaga. I think they're t I, I actually I can't pronounce that last yeah. name <laughs> but I'll say uh, almost back to basics there is nothing like fundamental basketball no matter how uh, flashy some of these guys may be at whatever level it always comes down to free throws protecting the ball I think that might be one of the biggest things that Hurley is able to instill on his team yeah, I, I think the X is always part of it. I mean, his background with Buffalo being a head guy and then Duke, you know, learning from the best, Coach K, Krzyzewski. I mean, I, I, I think they'll be, they'll be disciplined. And, like, I, I still think it goes back to the guards, the leaders. If they can control the pace of a game, I think we'll have a chance in every single game. Even, you know, the top-ranked teams in the country, I think, will be in every game. And, you know, a couple more classes, and this, this might be a powerhouse very, very shortly. As I get to know you a little bit better, I will ask, uh, obviously we're talking about Bobby Hurley, but the answer does not have to be that. Who was uh, a player or two who you really enjoyed watching play at the college level? Ooh. Well, in the years past, I mean, the, the Oakland Soldiers boys with Aaron Gordon and Stanley Johnson, um, I mean, that, that was very fun. And also, you know, to be in our backyard and, you know, you're obviously living in this area. You hope ASU has that type of kid. I mean, Sam Cunliffe could turn out to be that kid. I mean, he seems like to be that guy. Um, but other college players, Ulyss was, was a pleasure. Devin Booker, you know, in the years past now being on the Suns mm -hmm. kind of makes it even more, you know, fun um, just as a Arizona fan of sports. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a guy like Ulyss, it's just – it was, you know, very rare, you know, the Oral Boykins, Muggsy Bowes type of, wow. you know, old that, school. So that's 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 always a pleasure seeing seeing a kid like that. It's so small, and just be be so effective and and so you know dynamic to being arguably one of the best point guards. Dunn was really exciting. Um, I think I forgot what pick he was. He was maybe pick four, I want to say, in the NBA draft. His athleticism is kind of like Eric Bledsoe type. Okay, sure. You know, just world-class athlete great size for position just does it all not an outstanding shooter but you know developing jump shot and um, guys like that I just um, really excited to to see them progress through their years and I'll ask my last question as far as just high school basketball here in the state of Arizona in general just how does it, because uh, you obviously are tied into what we see here but from what you see on a national level is AS, not so much ASU, is the high school game on point here, no pun intended, but um, middle of the road or in the upper echelon? Whereas football, a little bit easier to say they're probably moving towards that upper echelon. How's high school hoops compare here? Yeah, we're not we're not there yet, upper echelon, but um, I'm like California, I would classify them as that. Um, but I would say it's going upward. <laughs> There's an up and down arrow. It's definitely getting up, obviously, uh, Marvin Bagley, you know, leaving the state, <laughs> that doesn't help. Sure. But there's some other outstanding younger players in the 2020 class of 2019, some 2018s. I mean, there's two 2018s here, Timmy Allen and Tevion Jones, who both, you know, ASU type of, uh, you know, talent. Um, K that's awesome to hear. Yeah, K.J. Himes, another one, ASU type of talent. Um, obviously, de depending on how well they progress over the next two years, their bodies, where they take them, and their skill level. Um, will will they make it? You know, to that, you know, elite Pac-12 level. Um, and then you have 2019. You have a slew. You have Eddie House's little son, Jalen. Time flies. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> um, Majuk Dang has a big offer already. Um, Lucas Elliott up up in Tucson, six big six, almost six nine kid. Um, he's Sean Elliott's nephew. Oh wow. Lucas okay. Lucas Elliott. And then you have uh, Josh Green plays at Hillcrest, so it goes to Mount Ridge High School, and big uh, Australian guard, six four, almost pushing six five. So those are you know, and has the high major 
hops as they will <laughs> you know um but and then 2020 i already have one kid who's been offered by asu nico Mannion. okay yeah he was uh, impressive just from what i've seen in the gym over the last 10, yeah, 15 minutes absolutely probably a, uh like a hair over six feet his talent coming from the utah is off the charts for his level his feel is off the charts his skill level is just really high sees it you know does makes the right reads um just get his body, you know, obviously he's only a freshman, <laughs> but you know, obviously he's always one of the stronger kids um, at any position, but he seems like he has that it factor. And uh, those are some of the names that looks like Hurley and their staff are looking at locally. Folks, that's some great depth and some amazing insight. Thank you so much, Greg Rosenberg. My pleasure. And you guys are just so right. He knows everything about hoops. At all levels. I mean, just not to just totally pump him up, but he's a guy who really knows what he's talking about, the ins and outs, and just how he can paint the picture of, I think that's the biggest thing for me, learning how he gets to project what a guy can do in two or three years. Hey, you know what? He's a freshman in high school right now. When he's a senior, I can see him doing this skill, or when he gets to ASU or what other school at the college level, he'll probably be this type of guy. So I, to me, that was just very impressive. I disagree with Greg all the time, but I love that guy. And like, you know, I take a lot of the stuff that he says and a lot of the players that he projects and, you know, I run with them. Like if he says a kid is good, I don't disagree with that. I know the kid is good. If he said a kid can play in college, like if you, if you have, if shout out all the parents out there that like want to keep up with their kids do the right thing. Go to ArizonaVarsity.com. Get a subscri subscription and follow Greg if your kid is playing prep basketball because he knows everything. And, you know, he and he also helps a lot of kids get into schools and he kind of brokers those things. So he's a good dude and knows a lot. And very honest. And one of the things he said to me while we were out there is he saw that kid, the, the 2019 uh, Sal Point Catholic uh, Majuk Deng, plays for uh, plays for John Ortega and the club scene out here and, and he hit a couple of threes in a row and he looked right at me and he said he's not leaving here without an offer and lo and behold Majuk Den gets an offer from, See, from Bobby Hurley in Arizona State basketball on his way out the door as does uh, Bakari Simmons uh, Bobby Simmons kid and, wow, and you know there's just all this buzz around the uh, around the Arizona State basketball program but none of it's gonna matter if it doesn't translate to Wins, and we'll talk a little bit more about ASU basketball on our next uh, podcast. Uh, as we will probably gather together and, and preview the NAU game, talk about some of the local kids that are uh, that are going to be lining up across from Arizona State uh, on the other side. And more than half of NAU's team is local, and so it'll be interesting to see if some of those kids that the bigger programs passed over can have any success. But I, I don't anticipate that game being. Uh, being very close. So we'll get into all that next time. So for Chili and for Brett Quintine, I'm Ralph Amsden. This has been the Devil's Junkie Podcast. I was living in a devil town. I didn't know it was a devil town. Oh, Lord, it really brings me down about the devil town.